Um, so, so far today, um, we've kind of come together, and you've kind of gotten this uh, broad picture of what a community could look like, of these leadership gifts that equip the body for the mission of God. And that's kind of this big picture role of what God has kind of called us to, and a, a phrase that Weston said at the very end there, which really stuck out for us this past week was this phrase, we want it to be hard for you to walk with us at Covenant and not be a missionary. And, and not just because that sounds good, because of this. A, God's called us to that in Scripture. And two, God is doing a great thing among us and inviting us into that. And so I think we understand that. And I feel like if you're here at 1230 on a Sunday eating Jason's Deli from a box with us, you agree with that on some level. And so um, thank you for being here. Uh, your kids are doing actually pretty good over there. I was very surprised. And so, I mean, our kids. And so uh, they're doing good. And so you can just sit back and enjoy some Jason Wood time. And um, some of this stuff's challenging. Some of it's encouraging. Some of it is all these things. It's kind of all the above. I was sitting the other morning... Um, Having a quiet time, it sounds so old to say that, but that's what I was doing. Um, I was having my quiet time with God, and just kind of before the craziness of the day starts, just kind of sitting under God and having him speak to me. And very clearly, he reminded me of the gospel. He reminded me that, Jason, even though yesterday you did this, this, and this, even though today you don't believe as strongly as you should, even though of all those things, I love you, you are mine and I want to use you. He, he literally reminded me of those things. And I had just this just security, just complete, in that moment, security in Christ. That I could rest, that I could breathe, that I could get out of bed for the day. That kind of feeling it was. But then the next phrase that seems almost like a paradox, like they can't both be true. Yes, I'm completely safe and secure in the work of Jesus Christ. Adopted into his family, loved, all those things. But I'm also called to obey. Does that make sense? How our obedience is already bought for us through Jesus, but we're still called to live this out and obey. Both things are true. The gospel of Jesus Christ allows us to obey. And so we see here, so if you have this card, we, we spent, please look at it. We spent a lot of time on this card. Just, for, just to humor me for a minute. Um, and this card, and I will say this, there is nothing you can do to kind of capture everything, but as best we could, what God has called covenant to today, we hope this is a good picture of this. And you see it all starts with the gospel. The fact that God came and he made a way for us. He brought us into his family. We now follow Jesus as a child of God and he sent us on the mission of God. We're a spirit-led family on mission, making disciples. But as Weston said this morning, that's, those are all kind of big, generic phrases, a family, of mission, of disciples. So for the next hour, as best we can, we want to kind of nail this down of what that actually means for us in Covenant Church in Shreveport, Bossier, and Blanchard, and Houghton, sorry. What does that mean for us as a body of people in 2017 doing this right now? So here's the deal. The gospel has kind of bought us this freedom, but we're still called to do something. There is a way 
to follow Jesus. So if you see this phrase up here, it says making disciples all across the front. In your mind, think of this. Think of the words of following Jesus. That if you just kind of take everything away of what we're doing, we want to help you follow Jesus so that you can help others follow Jesus. That's like kind of like just the, the baseline of what God's called us to do. And all of this is following Jesus. And we're called to something and following him. And that is where these values and these practices come to play of what God has called us to. This first value, it's the word. It sounds very like, okay, this is where you start because it's where you start. Um, as followers of Jesus, we start with the word. As followers of Jesus, we should saturate our hearts, our minds, our lives with the words of God. They are literally the only thing that give us life are the words of God. So as followers of him, we should saturate our hearts and our minds. Matthew 4, 4 says this, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. The word of God as followers of Jesus is more important than bread and water and fleshly things. It is our spiritual life. And as followers of Jesus, the value of the word of God should mark our lives. We read God's word to remind us of our identity, right? We see gospel and family and mission and disciples. Listen, if you're like me, we forget that every single day, moment by moment. So we go to God's word to be reminded of our identity in him so that we can breathe, we can rest, and then we can obey. Hear this, if we don't go to God's word, we're always going to default to being a, a, a moralistic person and not a secure child of God. So we go to God's word and get an identity from him. Second, we go to God's word and we're given this eternal perspective. You know, when um, there was this one time, I was at the beach uh, years ago, and uh, when we first had Hayes, and he was like a year old, and I remember being on the beach, like in the sand, and if Hayes could barely walk at that point, would just crawl like five feet. I was convinced a shark would eat him in the ocean. I was like just so on guard the entire time. And then I came up to the, up to the, um, the room, and I was looking out over the balcony. I saw Hayes and Tracy and the rest of the family. And Hayes would take a few steps away, but from that big perspective, I wasn't worried about Hayes getting swept away by the ocean. Because when you step away and you get this kind of grand perspective, our little troubles kind of seem little, right? There is this part of, of going to God's word that we see, oh, that's right. God was there at the beginning. So my concern about my paycheck this month, is, it's, a, it's a concern, but God was there at the beginning. So I can kind of chill for a minute. We go to God's word for identity, for perspective. We go to God's word to see our sin. And we truly, as followers of Jesus, we read God's word. We see this right here. Love your enemies. We'll just do that one right there. Love your enemies. You go to that part right there, and every single person in this room has to stop and just ask themselves and say, whoa, I am off. This is a holy and loving God. There is sin in my life. 
when we, when we talk about the Word, we don't just talk about studying and reading. That's, that's one part of it. But the greater part of this is the idea of obeying. That we worship God. Hang on one second. There it is. We worship God. There we go. We worship God um, through hearing and obeying. Listen, when we read God's word, we're not just prepping for Bible trivia. Like it's not just like some exercise so we can get more information. We read God's word so we can actively repent and obey when God's word convicts. It means instead of just reading about loving our enemies, we actually stop posting on Facebook being us versus them. We stop thinking of our spouse as the enemy. We actually begin to love others and change the way that we live. We learn to hear and obey. So when we're talking about making disciples in community at Covenant Church, one of those values is the word of God. The second is this idea of care, that we support and encourage each other as we live out the mission of God. We support and encourage each other as we live out the mission of God. So we care for each other, not just for ourselves, but it's so that we can go and live out the mission of God. Look at Acts 2, verse 44. It says, All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added their number day by day, those who were being saved. We must support and help each other. Ben and April got a, a four-day-old a week ago. A four-day-old a week ago. They desperately need on this mission of God support and encouragement because they're not sleeping. If I don't sleep, don't talk to me. Look, in community, we've seen this lived out. I I have seen community groups, especially in Blanchard, they've gone broke caring for each other. And so paying rent for each other, covering bills for each other, watching kids for each other, doing all these things to live out the mission of God. People should see the church and wonder why do they care so much? Why are they loved so much? Why are they served so much? That's what Jesus prayed right there before he went to the cross. That the world would know God's love by how we love each other. Not because we're the point, but because we've been set free and we can love each other and show the world a better picture, a better story through the way that we love each other. I remember when we had one of our kids and and we were with our family, and we got a, a text about a meal train, and we had meals for two months, and it was just so encouraging. But what was so great was that my mother and father, who aren't really believers, could see that and just said, wow, that is crazy. They would, people would feed y'all that much kind of food, which seems so silly and so simple. But it's a simple and tangible way we care for each other as we live out the mission of God. We don't just um, support... We also encourage. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Listen, we should bring life to each other. Coming together with followers of Jesus should be the most life-giving thing that we do. 
And if we're all honest in this room, many times gathering with followers of Jesus is not life-giving. We're hiding, we're hurting, we're gossiping. We are not speaking words of love and life to each other. Man, hear this. I know it's true for my heart. You have no idea what encouraging words do to somebody's heart. Just pointing out how they are living out the mission of God when they're tired is one of the most encouraging things in the world. So we should be a life-giving place to each other as we live out the mission of God. Listen, we should be out the mission of God so much. We should be, should be so battered and bruised and tired from living out this mission of God that we should be able to come to a place and be encouraged to be cared for together. Now, with this idea of care, there's kind of two extremes, right? There's this idea of care where it, the point of our community and our groups is to care for each other. Like, that's why we exist, to support each other, to do meal trains, to pray for our, our dogs, to do all these things. That is the point of our community. Church, that's not the point. We are not the point. The other extreme is this right here, is that I am living out the mission of God. God has sent me this great missionary to do this great work. I don't need that care thing. I don't need support. I'm good. I'm going to go do this alone and take the world for the kingdom of God. That's as foolish as the first thing. We as a family of God, we need each other for the mission of God. And God has given us each other. And Weston mentioned this morning this idea that we're going to find friendship or we think the point is to find friendship. And I feel like he was saying what covenant, what groups are not. Like, to me, when you go to groups, you find people you don't like more than you find friends many times. Am I right? People get on your nerves when you're doing life with them. So it's really the opposite of finding, because the people that get on your nerves are there to really challenge you and make you more like Christ, all those fun things. So we care for each other. Second, I'm sorry, third, we demonstrate the gospel. We meet the spiritual and the physical needs of those around us. This was such a part of Jesus' ministry. Where he went, the kingdom of God was very, very near. As he healed people, as he loved people, as he served people, as he ate, ate meals together. He was this tangible picture of the, of the kingdom of God lived out in front of people. And we bring God's kingdom as we live life. Where we go should look different as followers of Jesus. This means that we notice the people that no one else notices. It means that we love the people that no one else loves. It means that we see things in this world that are broken and our hearts should break. With all this stuff in the all this division in the country, our hearts as followers of Jesus should break and desire to enter in. When we see the poor among us, our hearts should break and we should desire to enter in. When we see orphans, our hearts should break and we should desire to enter in. Because as followers of Jesus, it is our role and our privilege to bring God's kingdom here and very, very near to people. Because in God's kingdom, there are no sick there are no, no, no poor. There are no hurting. And so we as this expression of Jesus in the world should come and demonstrate that to the rest of the world. When we do this, 
things get restored. Things look better in our world. We actually, as followers of Jesus, demonstrate the gospel. Because what we're actually demonstrating is that God's kingdom is much bigger and more important than this life. That his kingdom is much bigger and much more important than this life. That your safety, that our safety is of second concern, not of first concern. Because in God's kingdom, we are safe. You can do stuff to my body, but my soul is completely safe in Jesus. We are showing there is a better kingdom than the rest of the world. As followers of Jesus, we should be the first ones in and the last ones out. Jesus came and served us. God has called us to hold the value of demonstrating his kingdom just as he did. Last thing, our last value here. We declare, we share the truth and the love of Jesus where we live, where we work, where we play. We don't bring good advice We bring good news. So when we come to each other and we say our marriage is struggling, the role of us shouldn't be like, oh, let me pray for you. The role in in following Jesus is that we bring Jesus to all situations. Ephesians 4 says this, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. What better picture of truth and love is there than Jesus? This perfect picture of truth and perfect picture of love. We then grow up in every way and to him who is the head. So we show people a better story as we demonstrate the gospel. Like they should see our lives as we follow Jesus, and they're like, that, that, that is something different. That is something weird. I don't fully get that. We should, that should be a response that we have. But we also tell a better story as we declare the gospel. We tell them the Why? Phil Kelly, why did y'all, why did y'all study foster care? That's crazy. Why would you do that? I remember we were going to get Hattie. It's a confession, actually. And we were on a flight. And we told the students what we are doing. And they, she puffed us up. And said, oh, that's so great. Why are you doing that? And I remember this vividly. And I kind of flaked out a little bit. I was like, oh, you know, orphans are bad, that kind of thing. And, uh, and it is bad to be orphaned. And so... Um, But in that moment, God kind of gives you these opportunities. Well, why do you spend your money that way? Well, why do you do this? It is in these moments we have a chance to simply brag on God. There is no, you think about the demoniac in Scripture. Jesus heals him. So you might think you're way too messed up to do this, right? Jason, you have no idea how broken I am. Well, this man had demons inside of him. And Jesus healed him. He said, go and tell. As we're followers of Jesus, if we actually have, our true followers of Jesus, we have a story. We have a story that is amazing because God has changed us and loved us and saved us and adopted us, and now we go and do the same. We have a story, and we have to, as followers of Jesus, become better at bragging on this Savior. We learn to point to Jesus in all of life. This isn't, and this idea of declaring is not even as Weston said earlier, this kind of old school preacher, think of Ken Freeman, anybody at all? 
um, coming in and just like throwing it down and we all got saved 55 times because he scared us. It's not this kind of cold call thing. It is simply this idea of just you can't stop sharing what God's done in your life. As you walk with him, as you talk with him, all these kind of things. That's a song, isn't it? Um, but <laughs> And uh, all these things happening in your life, you can't help but just share and declare this good news. So, we, um, so you see this picture of this, right? Of As followers of Jesus, we saturate in God's word and we obey God's word. And here's also a, a thing about obeying God's word very quickly. As we learn the practice of obeying God's word, God starts doing things that we don't understand. Because if you take steps of faith and obedience, steps of faith and obedience, I was talking to Phil Plett the other night, and um, me and Luke were, and we were talking about how uh, Ben and April got a four-day-old, and we heard four-day-old, and me and Luke had like a panic attack. Like the idea of like no child, and then a four-day-old, and one like hour, like just completely overwhelmed me. And Phil and Kelly are in the same kind of place, and we're like, dude, can you imagine? He's like, oh, yeah, we're ready for that. I was like, wait, what? And he just said this phrase. He said, God put this on our heart and has prepared us for this. Listen, as you start actually actively having faith and obedience, you'll be amazed at what God can do in your life. There are times, even as we have Hattie Jane home, and I have a Chinese Down syndrome little girl in my house, and it doesn't seem real. Like, I would never do that. Does that make sense? But God is just like, over time, made it normal. And I pray for our church. There is this unnormal normal for us. That we do things in our lives that just seem kind of crazy because God has kind of, every step of the way, put this step of faith. We just keep walking with God that we do just things we can't imagine. So we see these values lived out. Word, we care for each other, we demonstrate, and we declare the gospel. Those are all good, but they're still kind of aspirational. How do me and you as weak and foolish people live this out? The truth is together. We do this together, and that's why we have community groups. We have, and I put this phrase together. This idea of a community group, is this, is this, it's a family. Think about it. It's a family that meets you where you are and helps you fo- and challenges you to follow Jesus. So think of a family. There's this invitation. Some of you know what's coming on here. Um, there's this invitation. A family who meets you where you are. I know all of you in this room, and including myself, we are all in different places in life, spiritual maturity, everything. We are all in different places. So how do you think of people who are all over the map, some who don't believe in Jesus yet? You take them just as Jesus did, right where they are. And we're a family for each other. We're a family that meets you where you are. And that sounds so great and so sweet and so fun. But then there's this word, challenge. Listen, the last thing that I know that I want and that we want in in Solution of Covenant Church is just sit around and like have a nice time and die. Like that is just no one's heart here. If we do anything in this world, we want to be a family for you, but also we want to challenge you to truly follow Jesus. That word challenge means it's going to be, you're not going to want to come gather with us, because you're going to be tired of talking about the mission of God and following Jesus. So this idea of invitation and challenge. 
and we've all been in churches before, that kind of go one way or the other. Even within our leadership team, we're very different in this. I am highly invitational. If you know me at all, I am like, hey, brother, come here, let's hug. I'm, that's just who I am. I am a very, invita- that sounded kind of weird. I'm a very invitational person. Luke and Weston have no problem challenging. No problem at all challenging. And that's a gift from God. But if we just challenge each other and we have no invitation, we have a burned out culture. And yes, I'm lefty and I write crooked. Get over it. Um, we have a burned out, beaten down, tired culture. We have all been in churches like that. Many times in churches like this, you have leaders who are really, really burned out because they're doing all the work. And you have attenders who are right here. They're nice and cozy. Where it's high invitation, but there is just no challenge to what's going on at all. It's just a very cozy culture for them. And many times in our community groups, we come right here. Because we want everybody to show up. We want everybody to feel comfortable. All these kind of things aren't really Jesus things. They're more American things. And we get very, very, very cozy. We come in on Sundays about 1045. We kind of sing songs. We kind of listen. We go home. We watch football. We are cozy. And we are useless for the kingdom of God. And church, I want to meet you where you are. But even more than that, I want to challenge us to follow Jesus. Because I want to challenge us to a life that is greater than we know right now. Because I think many of us in this room, listen, we're tired, we're beat down, all those are true. But we are, we are completely cozy and apathetic. And the hope is that we, as we calibrate invitation, a family who meets you where you are, but also challenge you to follow Jesus, we'll see a discipleship culture. That it becomes normal to see followers of Jesus doing unnormal things. Is that a word, unnormal? I don't think it is. That's okay, though. Um, but that is the heart of what we're talking about. That we're a family who meets you where you are and helps you follow Jesus. And we have three practices that we do that through. The first is our community group gathering. Our CG gathering, as it says right here. It's where we celebrate what God is doing and encourage each other to live out his mission. That's where we come together as husband and wife and kids sometimes, and we just celebrate what God is doing in our lives. We celebrate the fact that, um, that we actually have spent our money wisely this month or that we have loved our spouse well. We celebrate what God is doing in the mission of God, that we have reached out to our neighbor this week, that we have um, prayed for this person this week, that we have served our neighbor this week. We come together as a family and celebrate our Father together. We also come, we encourage each other as we open God's word and we read God's word together. We have a spiritual family meeting. This is where we really live out this idea of being family together is in our gatherings like this. We share burdens and struggles. So we come together and we say, man, this is really, really hard. This thing with my school, with my work, with my neighbor, with my spouse, whatever it might be. We come and we share burdens, we share struggles. We share life together as a family of God. What's great about this within our church for a, a, a gathering of a community group, this looks different in all of our groups. 
Like Shreveport right now is doing this really cool thing where they come together, I think twice a month, and they do everything they do around a table. They have a long dinner table, and they share a meal. They open God's word. Someone teaches for a moment. They discuss God's word. Then they sing songs to God together as a spiritual family. And for that community, it has been transformational just to be encouraged by each other, encouraged by who God is, and encouraged by being a, not just a family, being a spiritual family where God is kind of the center of this entire thing. We were talking the other day, uh, me, Luke, and Weston, and Brad Crenshaw, and um, we're like, well, how do y'all gather in Blanchard, right? Saturdays. Uh, what time? Oh, Saturdays. We like gather, you know, around lunchtime, I think, and we just kind of hang out all day long. We're like, wait, what? And so that's how Blanchard rolls, though. They just do life together in, like, real community, and we just have meetings. And, um, but you see this great kind of unique and different picture of how this flushes out in all of our communities. But it's where we come together to be encouraged, to celebrate, so that we can live out the mission of God. The next kind of practice we have is the practice of the huddle. It's the practice of the huddle. It's where we learn to hear from God and obey what he has called us to do. To hear from God and obey what he has called us to do. Listen, um, there is a time and a place to share burdens and struggles, and we need to do that. But primarily, when we gather in a huddle as men, as women, for this special time, we are gathered there to learn how to hear from God and obey his word. And we do have struggles. Those struggles should be looked at the lens of, okay, what is God trying to teach me through this struggle and not just share the struggle? Does that make sense? Because in your struggle, God's trying to kind of wake you up from something, trying to teach you something, trying to speak to you. And the role of a huddle is to learn how to hear and obey what God has called us to do. So in a huddle, we, we read scripture together. In, in my huddle right now, we're going through Proverbs together. So whatever, so today was Proverbs 1. Tomorrow is Proverbs 2. And so because part of this is our heart is that we learn how to read God's word and study God's word ourselves. That we understand how to read and apply God's word. That's where we come and we confess sins. Where it's a safe place to come and say, I blew it this way and this week and this way. I am mad about this. I struggle with this. It's a safe place to come and just share these sins with each other so that we can repent and believe and get on on board with what God's trying to do to us. We discern where God is leading us in a huddle. We discern where God is leading us. That's why we confess sin. Where there is sin, we can't hear from God. So we confess sin so that we get better at discerning where God is leading us. Listen, friends, when we learn to hear and discern and obey what God's called us to do, transformational things happen in our lives and around us. If there's just one core thing today you take away, this idea of hear and obey in the little things. The hear right now might be doing the dishes for your wife tomorrow. Hear and obey what God has called you to do. We pray for our networks and our neighborhoods. As we are on the mission of God, we come together in this huddle and we just cry out for these people because we can't help them. We can't save them. Only God can save them. So we cry out for these people together. 
We don't just come and hang out for an hour. We come, we confess sins. We discern God's voice and we pray for those around us. And there is great joy in that. And then last, we hold each other accountable to what God has called us to do. So here's the good news and the bad news. The good news, you have people to do this with. The bad news is, you might say what God's called you to do, and someone's going to hold you accountable to that. So you might say, I need to meet my neighbor. I should go over there and knock on the door and meet my neighbor. Well, once you say that, we've got to hold you accountable to that. Because I need that in my life. You need that in your life. This family, he holds each other accountable to the mission of God. We learn to hear and obey what God, is when God starts doing miraculous things. We step further into the kingdom of God. So we have the practice of gathering, practice of huddle. And, and the kind of the practice is all kind of leading to is this prayerful missional mission engagement. Prayerful mission engagement. Hear this. God has sent you. As a confessed follower and believer in Jesus, God has sent you. I don't know where. I don't know how, I don't know what, but God has sent you to participate in his kingdom work. He has sent you to demonstrate and declare. There's a people, there's a place that God has called you to, to bring light where there is currently darkness. Leighton was telling us about this coffee shop he goes to, and he just said he just feels a sense of darkness in this place. So he's decided to just work there and to, to be light in the midst of, of darkness. That is living as a sent person, knowing that we have good news to show and to share. Our values, our practices, they all lead this, to preparing our hearts to live out the mission of God. So we're prayerful. We start as prayerful people. We ask God to break our hearts for something. Many times when God uses you, he breaks your heart for something or someone first. Ask, you know where you live, you know where you work, you know where you play. Ask God to break your heart for something. To break your heart where you're going to bed at night and you're crying about that. Ask God to break your heart for something. Ask God where he is sending you. And what, a great, what an amazing thing the creator of the world is using and sending us. Where is God sending you to? Where has God showed, got you in favor in your life with people? And ask God to move in the hearts of people he has sent you to. So you get broken for a people or a place. You ask God kind of where that is. And ask God to move in those hearts and to use you. We go out prayerful. Because we are utterly dependent on God. Missional engagement. We intentionally set our lives into the rhythms of where God has sent us. We see darkness, we place ourselves right there. Our primary thing is not our safety, our security, or our comfort. It is the mission of God and living that out. That is our primary purpose. So where there's darkness, we get there and we set our rhythms there. It means going to the coffee shop when you know something's wrong. It means going out in your front yard Every day at the, at the same time. I'm bad at this. It means going to the same coffee shop. It means going to the same restaurant. It means going to the same grocery store. Where God has sent you. Maybe it's work. Maybe at lunchtime everybody gathers. 
You like to go in your car by yourself. Listen, I hear you. I get that. It's like the goal of every person in the world. Give me a sandwich by myself. I'm good to go. But God has sent you to that workplace where there's darkness. You go to the lounge. You eat lunch. All these things. And when you're tired of doing that, you come together to your huddle and your group and you say, this is so hard. I don't want to eat lunch with them. And that we pray that God changes our hearts. This is how it functionally works. There's no like grand thing happening here. And we engage these people by being a tangible expression of the kingdom of God and serving them. We engage people by living curious, loving, prayerful lives in front of them. As we don't gossip at work or the neighborhood, as we don't post crazy things on Facebook, as we don't do this, this, and this, it's a curious life as a follower of Jesus. As we actually love everybody, that is a curious, and we live this out in front of people. Let's flesh it out two ways in our groups. Uh, the first, this idea of missional engagement, each group has um, a missions focus. Uh, many of the groups in our church, it's through the hub and serving a, a monthly meal at the Love Well. Uh, other groups are different things, but there's a missional kind of expression that's there. And that's for two reasons. Uh, one, we want to give everybody, we want to meet you where you are, right? So some of this stuff of being on mission for God is so new, so foreign, so intimidating, it is very helpful to once a month go with your community and live out the mission of God to just get a taste of it. Have you noticed, even with your kids, when you bring them to the hub or an environment like that, it makes them ask questions, makes them be curious, makes them be excited for the things of God? Just through being in an environment where we're kind of not thinking about ourselves for an hour or two, God can use that to provoke curiosity and interest and desire for his things. But it's also so that um, in our community, we can do things that one family cannot do. Like I can't serve a meal to 100 people at the hub. I can't do that. But our community can. I can't go adopt a purchased residence and do their yard and care for those ladies. But our group can. We can't tutor the kids at this one school by ourselves, but our group can. There are things that we can do for the mission of God together that we can't do alone. And for those of us that are kind of newer to this thing, we get a taste of living on the mission of God. The second way we flesh this out is this idea of this team of missionaries. It's all these little mission fields that we exist in. This is what's so exciting to me about our church is that we have this mission field that is so big and so little all at the same time. Our mission field is North DeSoto. It's, it's um, my neighborhood. It's uh, this place. It's that place. It's wherever God has sent you and placed you. And God lives it to, to different things for different seasons. I think um, about... Um, Heather Loach, how God has just kind of placed her in this salon, work there, and God's put in our heart to start a Bible study. Just start a Bible study. Just being faith, hearing, and obeying. Being faithful to that, just starting this thing, and has seen two ladies saved, is that correct? Just through faithful obedience. Think to even Weston, Weston's story, he shared with us when he came with us, how somebody in his neighborhood had committed suicide, and he was going to go talk to them and pray with them because he was a pastor. But then he said, well, well, I don't even really know them. And it just challenged him and Lindsay over the past two or three years to just dive into the mission of God. And now they're leading others to do so. I think about, um, what was I on the other day? 
Um, I lost it. It's okay. Um, but where we see all these different things that God placed on people's hearts, and we just see God doing these things that we can't do, that we didn't plan for. We tend to, uh, even with this kind of idea of mission is all of life, we tend to overestimate what we can do in the short term. We think, okay, I'm going to just buck up, meet every neighbor in the world, make them all cookies seven days a week for 31 straight days. It's November to remember for my family. We're going to do this, and we're going to save everybody in the neighborhood, and we're going to have a big grocery bill and be really tired. But listen, if we are faithful to hear and obey in the little things, God can do far more than we can imagine. Far more as we obey in the little things over a long period of time. I think about 15, 20 years from now, what our neighborhoods could look like, how many orphans could be adopted, how people that were in poverty had now been given new life through Jesus Christ. Not through any grand plan, but through small, unknown, unseen followers of Jesus hearing and obeying what God has called them to do. God can do a mighty, mighty work. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to step in with us. And these practices of of gathering, of huddle, being engaged missionally, just show up. You might not feel ready, might not feel have the energy to, just show up and learn to practice the idea of hearing and obeying. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for um, your good news. That we have secure identity in you and we have work to do. You are good to us. Speak to us right now, Father. Show us where you have sent us right now. Break our hearts for something. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Check, 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 check. Coming up. There we go. Um, I got five minutes and we're done. So um, hang with me five more minutes. I know this is a lot of information. Let me just sum everything up um, just by speaking to your heart that this is worth giving your life to. Absolutely. This is worth giving your life to. We've done this. As we've increased our fervency in doing this, I'm speaking like as, as our family, Ashley and I, um, this has been the hardest thing we've ever done. This just crushing weight of disappointment in other people. Like you invest a certain amount of energy and you don't get any return. But we don't do it for ourselves. We do it because we love Jesus and that he has, um, he has sent us to do this. And I want to remind you that you're going to walk through just extreme difficulty in doing this. But this is worth giving your life to. Um, that's what Paul says kind of at the end. He says, you know, I have... I have literally poured out my life like a drink offering. I have, I have laid it all on the table. He said, I've run, I've run the, the race. I fought the fight. I finished the course. And he says all that knowing that there was actually a course to be run and there was a fight to be fought. And that's what's in front of us. There's a course to be run and a fight, and, and a fight to be fought. And I feel like some of us get a good start on this and we like do this really well for a few weeks. As Jason talked about, maybe overestimating what you can do in the short term. And then we get hurt, and then we go sit on the sidelines, and we quit. And we still have all these people that God has called and sent us to. So my encouragement to your heart is to give your life to this over the long haul. Um, And when you're injured and hurt, it's okay to raise your hand and get help for other people to step in. Um, 
but this is worth giving your life to 100%. And I pray that our church is one that just continues to do this. Um, this is kind of five perspectives. And again, I said I had five minutes, and I'm, I'm going to stay under five. Um, this is how we kind of do all of these things. Uh, under huddle, under community group, all of these. Um, one is just to be consistent in doing this. Um, I had huddle last week. Uh, this, if you're in my huddle, this is not a slam against you. I have like eight guys in my huddle. Um, I had huddle last week and not one person showed up. Not one out of eight. <laughs> then that is like crushing disappointment <laughs> because uh, you feel like you know, you, you're doing this and when you need people, you need, you need them to show up and be with you as you do this. So uh, being consistent, this is not normal. We all have crazy busy lives as best you can, be consistent in this. Um, as you're doing this with each other, be present. There's nothing, again, more frustrating than, you know, you're sharing your heart and someone else is checking their fantasy football scores on their phone. It's something just to be present, to show up and be ready, to be present, to give yourself to this in this moment, um, to be filled with grace. As we do this, there's going to be a lot of spiritually immature people that step in this with us. There's a lot of her feelings, there's a lot of, Jason said, stupid Facebook posts. I wish I had the privilege as a pastor to take people's rights to social media away from them. Like that's part of, that's part of uh, spiritual discipline, church discipline. That's like the first step. Uh, one warning and then you lose all rights to social media because you're an idiot. Um, I wish I had that right. I do not. Uh, we've, got to be, we've got to be filled with grace. Um, and this is so just... You see this in the life of Jesus all the time. He's doing this with these disciples, and he's walked with them, and they're almost at the end. He's fixing the, you know, he's going to the cross, and they're arguing, man, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit at the right hand? Who's going to be the one? James and John even getting their mom to come to Jesus and say, hey, mom, go tell Jesus. We're, we're supposed to be the one. We're, and they just didn't get it. And Jesus just, I mean, he spoke truth to them. But he had so much grace. I pray that's a picture of our church, that we just have grace. There's going to be a lot of immature people that walk into this. There's going to be a lot of hurt feelings. Um, Be present, be consistent, be filled with grace. Be intentional during the week of pursuing God. Again, this is when we get to huddle and you just want to just talk about all, all your burdens and you've not been pursuing the face of God. You've not been hearing what he's speaking to you. Man, Jesus says that if that we'll find him when we pursue him. So pursue God and then you've got to be outward focused. Spiritual fruit is not for you. It's for everyone else. And this is what? That's what even Jesus says. Unless the seed dies, um, you know, then it's not really going to make a difference. But if it dies, then it produces fruit for all these others. So uh, my encouragement to us is to keep pressing into this. I think you've heard, um, you heard a lot today about just how we're doing this. So we'll see as God continues to work. I'm going to just quickly pray a prayer blessing over us asking God to do just this radical thing in our midst um, that we can't describe or explain because it's supernatural. So let me pray for us. Um, And before I pray, if you could just think of someone just right where you are that someone's heavy on your heart. Maybe it's a person of peace, it's someone that's a neighbor, maybe it's someone uh, that's a believer that's kind of just walk waywardly. Would you just take a second and, and pray for them? This is what prayerful mission engagement is, is us bringing these names of our neighbors and friends and people of peace before God and asking God to do a work there. Would you pray for them by name for a second?
And second, would you, would you pray that God um, would give you a way to speak truth to that person in this next season of life, maybe the next week, maybe it's tomorrow, that he would just open up a door for you to speak truth or grace, to invite into a relationship, some way that you could be good news in this situation. God, it's a mystery to me that, uh, that you, you have placed, placed this invaluable treasure of the gospel in me, this broken jar. And all of my worth and value comes not in my own effort, but because of my relationship with you and who I am as part of your family. And I thank you for that identity that I have. Lord, I pray for this mission that you have set before us, and I pray that we would follow you with all that we have. I pray for all these people of peace that we've prayed for collectively um, just a few moments ago. And God, we pray that you would work in just an incredible, mighty way in those situations. Father, will you take hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh? Would you take wayward people, people on the path to folly, the headed straight to destruction, Would you, in some supernatural way, wake them up to the truth of what you've created them for and the destiny that you have for them? And Father, will you help us listen to the promptings of your Holy Spirit that we can participate in this in some way? That we would see visible answers to these requests that we're asking. Father, that that you would add people to your family as we pray and serve. Thank you for... um, your son, the reason that we do all of this, it's in his mighty name that we pray, amen. Lasting anything? Hey, thanks for coming, guys. You guys are awesome. If you'd help us throw your trash away, maybe fold up a table, and we're done. I appreciate it.